Any questions? So we have a um, microphone. Where is it? You got it. So you're happy to walk around there? Okay. So please, uh, we're going to experiment with this microphone works, you know, for me, because I have a bit of a problem with my ear. So, yeah? So any questions? Yeah. Uh, 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 you, need a mic you need a microphone first. Right at the back. So, yeah. On the left. Left. Um, you talked about the um, that desire causes suffering. The, that desire causes suffering. Um, where, that's here. Sorry. Let's stop for a second. I can't hear you so well. I can hear some of the well, oh, right. but it's a bit muffled. All oh, right. Um, you, if you come a little closer, oh, yeah, sure. just a little bit closer. Um, you talked about that the uh, desire causes suffering. Yeah. But what about like aspects of karma, which also causes suffering? And if so, how can you dissolve that karma? And I also wanted to ask what the um, Buddhist attitude towards like things like euthanasia was, and things the like Buddhist that. Buddhist attitude on oh, like things like euthanasia. Euthanasia. Yeah, that's that's all I ask. <laughs> yes, I'm going to ask the people who are at the back to come as forward as you can if you want to make my life easy. Thank you. Okay, that was a good question. You said a few things, didn't you? So, how to work with karma and how to dissolve this karma. And, you know, I mean, karma means simply action. So, according to the Buddhist teaching, we are, you know, the there's action and results, vipaka karma. We can't, I, you know, I, I can't figure out how we can see clearly the result. You know, I mean, you see the result, but sometimes you not see the result immediately. You know, so you have to be patient in a way to see the result of your good work, for example. You know? But the, the, the sort of letting go of karma and letting the karma behind is just something you can really really manifest in yourself when you practice meditation and you learn how to let things go. Personally, I have let go of many things just by letting them go, nothing else. By making peace, which means in my mind they can be there, I can bring the torch of mindfulness on them, and I don't have to push them away, called Vibhava Tanha, the desire to get rid of things, Okay, the, the third truth of the third cause of suffering, right? And I don't have to indulge and get, a, a, you know, attached to them through uh, wanting to control what's going on in my mind, wanting to have things better and so on, to transform in a way that's kind of not going to transform, you know, but just cause more suffering. So um, you just have to start doing the humble work, the worm work of practicing meditation, having a good t-shirt that can encourage you and 
support you or Dharma friends, you know, that can speak the same language and reminds you what to do on the path, right? And then, um, yeah, it does dissolve, you know. The karma, our stories, our histories, you know, it's just amazing. Which, if you stop clinging to them, they just go away. You know, you can't change your body necessarily in this lifetime, you know, or you can't change your, the fact that you're from one country. I mean, I don't know which country you come from, but maybe you can't change your nationality, even if you change your passport, so easily. Yeah. So that we have to bear with, you know, for, for this life to be this kind of person. Personality don't change that much. It's more like our relationship to it that, that kind of shifts from maybe, uh, you know, causing to ourselves and to others a lot of, you know, a lot of unskillful results, you know, a lot of painful things in our life. We begin to see that our mind and body can be more of a source of blessings, you know, happiness for others. Yeah? Little by little, in all places, you know, with your parents, with your family. with your... But it takes a lot of strength, you know, to actually be, you know, growing that confidence because it's not necessarily the change coming from outside. Sometimes we have to give up a few things to see change as well. Quite a lot, in fact. You know, renounce certain things that we like, aspect of our personality that we like, you know. But are still, you know, also source of dukkha. Can I answer your question? You can get it. Okay. Oh, you have another one. Great. We have, yeah. Jinjan, I think there are two microphones. Maybe you can have one. Okay. You just didn't answer about the euthanasia and how, yeah. what the Buddhists believe in euthanasia, that. Euthanasia, yes. Uh, definitely, you keep your first precept. Don't kill or don't harm any living beings. That's what the Buddha says about euthanasia. Like we have in our rules, the Siladhara, in our monastic discipline, we have about 160 rules and many other rules, but we recite fortnightly about 160 rules. That's our Vinaya, our monastic discipline. And uh, one of them is, you know, it's a very serious transgression in our Vinaya. It's the most serious transgression. It's, uh, you are expelled, basically, from the being a nun, if you're a monk. The monk has the same to uh, recommend abortion, euthanasia, or, um, or suicide, you know. And should, should any of these acts be, you know, happen, truly, throwing a suggestion, then she would be, she could not be called a nun anymore. She would have lost, uh, you know, her life as a nun. So, uh, so it's a most serious offense to take the life of a human being. You know, the Buddha didn't have the same... Remember, he was living in an Indian context, you know, where mothers in those days could be 12 or 13 or 14, you know. Very young. They didn't have much say in it. <laughs> okay. Is that enough? Okay.
Uh, the, the awareness that you... Is that too loud? Yes. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry. The, you the, can put your microphone a bit further yeah, away. Yeah. That's right. The, the awareness that comes from meditation, that you, you watch your thoughts. Yes. Um, if that is not self, what, what is that? Where does that come from, that constant? I've given up on that. Right. On the questions. I Be haven't found anything... And I don't want to create something that's not going to give me... The, uh, so just have faith in the fact what, that... What, that is what, what it seems, as, an, as my experience of it, is what the forest masters you know, in Thailand have a, this, use this word, puru, means the one who knows. Hmm. It's like an aspect of the mind that is like a mirror, hmm. that is reflective. And if you can see that, if you can have, you know, if you can have this as your refuge... It's a very powerful refuge. I actually had some problems with mental illness, and even in the middle of mental illness, when I had lots of thoughts in my mind, that, that awareness was always there, even at that point. So, yeah. So what did you do with those thoughts? Uh, they were just happening on top of the awareness. Okay, so you saw them going? going yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was left, this experience of not being, you know, seeing those thoughts and not, and, and see, seeing them go, what was that experience for you? Did you notice there was a quality of uh, the mind? Uh, just a calmness and a, and a consistency, yeah. Yeah, hmm. that's right. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I was uh, helping somebody um, some years ago who was depressed, and uh, I remember saying to this person, um, Somebody, somebody is quite close to me, and I said, um, you know, basically I asked this person, do you want to wake up? Because they were like the end of the, you know, and he said, yes. So um, I, I spoke to this person, I, I mentioned, you know, there is, you are, many of us, most of us are aware, but we just don't notice it, you understand? And so, you know, I knew this person was quite conscious, you know, quite aware, but also very depressed, almost, um, you know, almost could have committed suicide, you know, if left on, the, on his own. So um, I just said, oh, you know, you have a mind that can see that. It's not that you're frightened to kill yourself. It's not the killing of yourself. It's more those thoughts in your mind. You're frightened, terrified of your thoughts. They are terrifying if you believe them, you know. So um, I said, well, you know, you can see those thoughts, can't you? And he said, yes. And okay, so I said, well, you have realized you have the mind that sees and you have the contents, objects of your mind, right? And your thoughts are objects of your mind. And so I gave him some work to do with this, some uh, skillful means. And basically, he began to focus more on this mindfulness practice of feeling, being mindful of feeling, being mindful of things that he was doing. I gave him some exercise to do. And I said, you know, the most important thing in this life is to notice in your mind cause and effect, cause and result, because that will teach you to become intelligent with yourself not to have to depend on a guru that you think is going to explode your consciousness with light and peace. No, it's going to suddenly turn you into a happy Buddha. 
it's something that needs also, well, that's what I love the Buddhist teaching, is the fact that you do have to really participate in this path. Because the wisdom is also there, the wisdom is present. It's not very far. But we don't allow this wisdom to manifest when we are chock of block with our own sense of self. It's like this uh, famous story of a Zen monk, Zen teacher, who was meeting a future disciple over his, who wanted to train as a Zen, person, Zen practitioner, and they said, let's have tea. And then they had tea, like almost like a tea ceremony, probably. And then as he was kind of pouring, he pulled himself a, his cup, some tea, and then he started pouring some tea to this future disciple, and they kept on pouring, and he kept on pouring. The disciple was, oh, it's too full, it's too full. He said, you can't learn anything if you're, when, when, the, when the cups are full, you can't put anything else anymore. And that was his way of teaching him, that's how the mind works. If you don't empty the mind, you won't be able to bring new things into it, you know. We're not doing that for fun, you know, instead of, oh, you know, I'm doing that so I can go to the beach and be really peaceful after that. It can happen. Nothing doesn't happen. But the aim of it, the aim of the, the goal of the practice, it's about knowing that the, the mind can be liberated, you know, the mind can be freed from its dukkha and from its anything. That's dukkha. Sometimes dukkha can be also the fact you attach to great, wonderful things as well. Doesn't it? You attach to beauty, to dukkha, to um, mis- <laughs> on the dukkha side. You attach to beauty or to kind of uh, thing you love, you know, that really nothing bad about them. You just love them like a good meal and so on, and then somebody make a meal that's not as good as you like, and you start getting upset. A beautiful meal, start getting upset, because it's not what you expected. Or a beautiful book. Then somebody contradicts what you thought, that book was great. And then somebody contradicts it, wow, you can easily go to war with each other. So this is a kind of dukkha, you know, it's all around. Yeah. So these two, these two minds, the mind that sees and the mind that, uh, that travels, I mean, the, the object of the mind, uh, you know, I felt you have uh, these two minds. And I felt, when I said that, I thought, mm, in Buddhism, we, we avoid talking in a kind of dualistic way like that, you know, the mind that sees. And the, but actually, I was pleased to read later on, many months later, a teaching of Lumpur Cha, where he used that expression, you know, the mind, the two mind, the mind that sees and the, and the, the mind of conditioned mind, you know, conditioned mind, yeah. That helps? Yeah, okay. thanks. Don't hesitate if you have any questions. Uh, yeah, my question, it comes from a small discussion we had in the break. Um, it comes from discussion of what? Uh, a small discussion amongst friends we had in the break. And uh, you might not like the question, you might not even be able to answer it, but I feel as though I'd like to ask it. Hey, go. Oh, okay. Um, the question, um, you might not like it, and you might not be able to answer it, but I feel as though I should ask it. 
And the question is, is um, how do women deal with what is um, almost an inherent dukkha within religion? That they're, that women, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's women in religion. <laughs> I yeah. got that. How, how do um, women deal with the almost inherent dukkha within religion that puts them into uh-uh. a difficult position, you know, a subservient position in all religion. And I know you can't, I'm not saying that we should change that or do that. You've seen people, you know, you've been a nun for a long time. You've seen people, A, react and sometimes respond to those challenges. Um, and as a man sometimes, because um, I have that tendency to want to react to that because I don't agree with it, but... Um, I like to look at a better way of responding to these things. Because, I, you know, as a man, I can't understand what it's like for a woman to practice Buddhism and for me to be put often in a, um, a scene in a stronger position. When I don't feel that, I don't feel that in myself, you know. Mm. For me, that, that doesn't cut very nicely because... When you see something is not skillful or um, unkind to women or... Religious women. So. Inherent in all religions, that it, it seems um, to me to be unwise. Because. With a man? With, well, with women. Religion. Also, yeah, women also put. I, I know I notice women in religion, they say, oh, I'm only a woman. But to me, that, that, that's. I am not what? I'm, I'm, I'm a woman. You know, I'm a simple woman. That sort of, it comes from that, I'm less because I'm a woman. Or men think they're more because they're a man sometimes. And for me, um, wisdom doesn't have a gender. Right. Well, you can sit down, relax. <laughs> well, it's not a difficult question. It's just more like, how can I say? It's a good question because everybody will have noticed that anyway through in their life, you know. You're talking about the gender issue aspect, you know, and also the fact that women, um, been seen from a man's mind, women uh, are maybe perceived as not as competent or as confident. And it's true. For me, uh, you know, I'm living with women for so many decades now, and as a meditator, then I know the characters of women quite well, many, many sides of women's nature. And um, one thing I've noticed is that there is a lack of confidence, you know, uh, in oneself that can happen quite regularly. I don't know about the men. Men are maybe the same, you know. I don't project anything on what the, what the men feel because I'm not a, in their body, you know. So I just have to be a happy with... Maybe, I mean, I do have met many monks and men, you know, meditators too, who are in touch with their emotions, with their feelings, with their, you know, feminine mind, you could say, as sometimes it's called. But, um, you know, at some point, it's, um, it's a very big subject in a way, and it's not resolvable by having an answer. You know, for, I, I tend to think myself that, um, you know, I don't consider myself as a religious, by them, for example, you know. 
I don't, you know, I, I used to say I hate religion, even as a Buddhist nun, you know. But it wasn't like, it, I, I mean, I say that publicly in this video as well. But what I meant, I hate what you, what you talked about, you know. I hate not just the discrimination of women, but also uh, the kind of the pettiness and the, and the stuckness that religion can get into. And the, the incredible, also, incredibly violent things that can happen in the name of religion. I mean, it's terrible. When you, when you look at all the religions, you know, they have an incredible record of utter, wretched sort of activities, you know, through, throughout the ages. You know, and you can see that on a conventional level, there's always those who have a bit much and those who have a bit less, you know. It's not just with nuns and monks, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So, for example, but fortunately, fortunately, uh, it's interesting because at some point, you know, like f for my experience here, for example, the, I can see that sometimes, but there is also, uh, you know, conventions cannot be changed so easily. That's my, my, wisdom, my lesson in the wisdom of the world is you cannot change conventional reality very quickly when it's been going on for centuries, you know? So tradition, you can't change it immediately. But you certainly, as a nun, I can change my interior world, which is what projects itself on the exterior world, external world, you understand? My, this being, all our beings, this, all these mind and bodies around in this room, have power, you know. It might not be the power to change everything externally, because you could have to kill a few people if you did that, <laughs> or murder a few people, <laughs> or imprison a few people, you know. But uh, what I noticed, uh, you know, what was nice, even that, not, not that long ago, to, feel, to hear your mind, God, this has happened, blah, 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 blah. And you listen. You can even get stuck a little bit with it. And fortunately, what appears after a while, just quite naturally, is the, the part of goodness of this life as well. You know, it's like you don't, something in you does not forget anymore the blessings of this life. And you know, I'm not saying it's the same everywhere, but I have many Christian friends and many Tibetan friends and, you know, and it's the same everywhere. In all religion, there is that kind of limits, you know, limitations. But there is also never to forget the blessings of a life that is devoted to a, a, a life of love and truth, you know. You cannot just forget that completely. You know, me being me, I say to myself, one sister is a Christian, but she's not fundamentally, she's also a yoga a yoga practitioner, and you know, you know, we. I have to be careful with names. I say, but some religious group will will criticize them because they are women of this and they are women of that. You know, and then you know, I visited the Vatican, and it's actually a whole. It's actually a, a country of men there. Do you realize that? We just it's right under our nose, but we do. You know, we see this. I mean, how many Christian nuns are under the? the governance, you know, of this particular city or country. But, you know, you can't hate all the people that are in there, which includes probably a few women cleaners. 
And I don't want to hate the people who are following their path, the Christian path, you know, even with all the, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of offenses that's been brought up in, in social media and so on. Because, you know, you want to continue relating at a human level. And at a human level, there's nothing that works except love, I'm afraid. Nothing works. So that takes you straight to beyond the, the kind of mind that wants things to be different. But it doesn't mean you lose contact with reality, with truth, and with goodness. You see? But what changes the world is not so much you having good ideas. What changes the world is really kindness and love. And that is not a feeling that I'm talking about, you know. Kindness and love, it's a big sense of faith and trust, you know, in the, in the goodness of this life as well. With the eyes open, which is you're not just dull and asleep, you also can ask the right question at some point at the right time. You can also, um, you know, speak to people you don't like very much. So be careful not to start, you know, uh, insulting them. Because that wouldn't work. Human beings don't respond well to that. You see? So I see a lot of ideals, very good ideals. You know, I used to be very idealistic women myself, you know. But the trouble is ideals without a deeper, a depth of foundation, a a deep foundation in being in oneself, being this person, can easily turn into an extremist position. You know? They are all terrible. Let's you know, let's push in this and that. And if people want to do this, I think go for it, you know. If people want to complain, and I'm really happy for the people who want to actually change the world if there's not a good part of the world, you know. I'm happy for them to do it, but I don't feel I have to do it myself. It's not, you know, I don't have to be pressurized and bullied by somebody else who think I'm an idiot if I don't follow their, their way. That's what many groups who have strong views about things do. It makes you feel really bad because you don't have the same idea as them. Make sense? Any question after that? Have I answered your question? (laughs) It's a shame. I understand the word wise, but... They were very wise words, regardless of gender. Good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I was reading a book that you had written about Uh -uh. the present moment. It was with me before I came to, uh, you started your talk. And in it you said... uh, the worry that you have now has gone away, and where has it gone? Can you see where it went? So I was thinking, if we think, contemplate impermanence uh, of everything, uh, most of these problems that we have now could be answered, uh, isn't it? Is that what I said? No. <laughs> I'm asking you whether oh, it is right. Whether yeah. it's right. Well, you know, problems are not dealt with just one word or one experience, you know. Life is not a problem, you know. Life is rich and complex and, you know, 
Et je, if you understand Anicca, then you have also opened the doors to so many other things, you know. Because when you are frightened of change, it's actually under the guidance, under the control of fear. You know, we don't want things to change because we're frightened that it could happen. And then we create maybe a situation where you find an object that you don't want to change and you get frightened for it to change. When actually when changes happen, it might be the best thing that could happen to you. You know. That's, if I can help you with something, it's to say no, no matter how bad it gets, you know, um, just, it's extraordinary if you can trust the dukkha of your, of your life with, uh, you know, with a mind that is really wise and compassionate and awake, you are bringing something very special into your mind, you know. The new, the new, Letting go of the old, you bring the new. And that is taking a risk, isn't it? Because we prefer the old life. But some, you know, you have to do, have, you have to have this happen a few times to get a sense of trust in these things, you know. And I'm talking to you as a, as a nun, so I'm not in your life. I don't know what your life is about. And, uh, you know, I just talk about this experience here, which is also, you know, people and organization and life is like a, a human world here, yeah, a very human world. So, any more questions? No? Yeah, I have something that you could have maybe help me with in my life. Um, I find it really hard um, when, you, when you were saying when people make a criticism, especially if you don't agree with it, not to immediately respond back or to put people straight or especially if I don't think they're seeing things clearly. And I have quite a, a good mind. I'm quite, like my husband said, I should have been a politician. I'm quite a good, you know, I, rational mind. And for example, my children are at school and I find there are a lot of parents often that have very different ideas about how kids should behave, how they shouldn't behave, what we should do about it. And for example, a, a mother at the school who I feel is really micromanaging her child, was very upset because my child stuck her tongue out at her child. And if it happened again, she would have to speak to the school about it. And I find it very hard not to immediately respond back. You know, well, maybe there was a reason that she did it. Maybe there was another side of the story. So my question is how to respond to people skillfully, how to stand our ground sometimes. It's a difficult one. Maybe it's just reflection, I guess. No, 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 no. It's it's not an easy, you know, an easy thing to to respond to in a way because life is not a recipe. You know, it's like you have to be also connected with the situation as it is at that moment. You know, and what happens to the mind of the person with you? What happened to your mind? It's a, so there is no kind of future recipe that can work necessarily. I can tell you just some story of what happened to my friends, you know, different situation, but practitioner when in the States, was in the Tibetan tradition, you know, it's, you know, the core is not so different from our tradition. And he was telling the story, she was telling, actually, she was a teacher, and uh, she was telling me she was very happy with one of his students, because he was working in a kind of corporation, you know, and uh, uh, his boss was wanted to express his unhappiness to him, you know, what was wrong with him and so on. So, uh, you know, being a practitioner, he just listened 
and then listened, and then listened. At some point, the, the boss was continuing to say the nasty thing to him. So, so obviously, his friend came to, to his rescue, and, and then they listened, and then they listened. And at some point, he just, the boss just left. He realized he had not, nothing to say anymore. So they, he empties his mind, and nobody created any karma. They just listened, you know. I love that your story, but with your situation, it's not so easy. You know, even when you said, you know, about your child, you know, this mother kind of you know, micro managing their children. I have a strong reaction to that myself. You know, I can't stand it. I find it difficult. You know, to see the children and the mother having a relationship which is not. You know, it's. it's I don't pro- project onto this person that she's wrong necessarily. But it's not, my feeling is, it's, it's like, oh, what a shame. You know, it's like, more like, what a shame that they don't get more of a, uh, you know, more like a, a, a connection of, at the heart, you know, a, a loving connection. That's what I would feel. What a shame. But sometimes you have to be really outspoken, you know. You say, well, thank you very much, you know, for your thoughts. And then you turn around, go and go get get a cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to say that, you know. Thank you very much for sharing what you you know your thoughts on whatever it is. You know, you have to kind of you can learn the kind of firm but diplomatic but firm language, you know. And when your 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 child pulls the tongue out, makes me laugh. You know? <laughs> You can just say, you know, try to be empathetic with her. You know, try to be not, not kind of cold. But you can even say things like, you understand, you know, that this is how you saw the situation, you know. I mean, there are many words you can say that makes a person feel you're connected with them. But you don't have to sort of put yourself in the same box straight away. Because it's your anger that's reacting. Remember, it's not you, it's your anger that's coming to your rescue. Because the mind doesn't know any better than that. You know, it's like your mind is trying to find its way to deal with the situation, you know. So anger is what you know well. We were all experts on that, you know. And the mind is an absolute killer, you know. I still remember my own, I mean, I say that, but it's quite small, but compared to a peaceful mind, it's different, you know. So... If you don't see your emotions, for example, that's a good tip for you. If you don't see your emotions, if you don't in touch with your emotional world, it goes straight to rational mind, you know. And you go, when you do this and you do that, I've seen you, you know, you're not right, you know, you know, and you never do that, and you always do that, so you get into the traumatic worlds, like always and never, you know, kind of the world that you use when you've been slightly traumatized by a situation, similar situation. You know, so it's very difficult to, you know, to stay, to stay with the, the emotions and the feelings really is a grounding, it's a grounding foundation, you know, it's like, otherwise you, I mean, for me, I'm, I, you know, I could be quite clever with my mind and really cut somebody in about three seconds, you know, with three words. <laughs> Not very nice. So, yeah, try to find a way of Dhamma, you know. But there are many ways to deal with these things. I find, you know, you don't find these details ways, or these ways detailed in the Buddhist teaching, you know. 
but I'm sure it might be somewhere in the suttas, you know, t- sort of talking about situation like that. I can't think of one immediately. But there are so much material nowadays on the web about how to deal with difficult situations, you know. Like, for example, the day I was participating in yesterday, I don't know if you were there for the first part of the hour, oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it was about dialogue, you know, dialoguing in the most difficult situation with difficult parties, you know, different parts. And, uh, you know, people came up with many things, many ideas and so on. And we had example in front of us that had really done a, quite a wonderful work to be able to talk to, coming from two uh, anti- totally kind of uh, enemies, almost, group, you know, in Africa. And being able to speak beautifully and to really, um, really see, feeling what they were feeling, you know, not really bypassing and going straight to the head into an ideal, you know. Very real with himself, very genuine. It was quite really moving to see that. So sometimes you can touch people, you know, by simply connecting at the level of empathy. Empathy might be like, it's energetic, it's an energetic thing, you know, it's not just a word. So you, it's good to have an empathetic dialogue, an empathetic language, because then her heart is more open to this energy of empathy, which is compassion in a way. You know, because you just have to realize that, she has to realize that you do whatever you want with your child, you know, and she does whatever she wants with her child. Okay, there might be a moment where she comes to you and say, your child is lovely, you know, what do you do with her to, to have such lovely children rather than her kids kind of reacting constantly to the you know, to the uh, sort of needs of the mother. Did you ever, did you ever read this novel about... No. no, it's not worth to talk to you. But maybe I'll talk to you later about it. It's very sweet. Because if she micromanaged her children like this, they're going to, do, they're going to be the most naughty people later on, you know. <laughs> That's trouble. She doesn't realize. They're going to react and be really. You try to have your child so controlled, they'll be going crazy and out of control as soon as they get out of the house, you know. So that's her problem. And she has also to understand that you yourself also, you're, you, she has to respect you. You have to respect her, and she has to. Re- you know, respect is very under under stated in this society, I think, the role of respect. Like, I met people yesterday who spoke the way I spoke uh, many years ago, you know, say, oh, I don't need respect, you know. You know, you say, oh, you know, I want to respect, oh, I don't need respect. I used to be like that. Now I say, no, 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 I've worked, I've worked through, I need respect, but I don't demand it. Different, isn't it? I don't demand it. If you don't respect me, I don't care. It's a different thing. So I'm not really demanding anything. That's a difference. When you let go, when you've seen your need, we all need to be respected. Do you understand? And sometimes we don't see it well enough. So now I'm, I should open maybe a, a workshop on how to look after mom and dad for the people I meet, you know. Because the Buddha says wonderful things about mom and dad. And then this friend who was going to see her mom, I said, are you bringing something nice to your mom? What? Like, what? 
And then suddenly later on she realized, you know, it woke it woke up, it opened up a whole world that she hadn't been truly really beautifully aware of. Parents, loveful parents. Anything more? Shall we just stop? Oh my god, ten past four. So maybe we should stop. Okay, we should sit for a couple of minutes together. <laughs> 